Industrial Light and Magic, LucasArts, Skywalker Sound, Lucasfilm Animation. This is Looking at Lucasfilm with Jim Hill and Dan Z. Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and let me now bring in my co-host Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi fame, so that we can then get into talking about everything that's gone on in Lucasfilm over the past month or so. It's going to be a busy show, isn't it? Yeah, and just uh, please forgive me for borrowing a phrase from Empire Strikes Back, but between what's been going on ticket sales-wise with Solo, a Star Wars story, and then what's been going on with poor Kelly Marie Tran uh, effectively being bullied off of social media by trolls who are pretending to be Star Wars fans, it's been a pretty dark time for Lucasfilm fans. For starters, what's your take on what's been going on with Ms. Tran? This is a crazy time because honestly, there are a group of fanboys out there, and, and fanboys is sort of the term that many are using, but really this is this is racist, this is sexist, and it is bullying, as you mentioned. This is silly. This is an actress who was so excited to be a part of the Star Wars community, and she shared with her family when she was allowed to. She's been wonderful and glorious with all the press stuff at Celebration. She's embraced the role. She's been amazing, and everyone seems to absolutely love her. That being said, people don't have to like the character. They don't have to like the actress's performance. But you don't get to be mean and mean-spirited. And that's very upsetting to me as a member of Star Wars fandom. And I truly still believe that this is a very, very small minority of people who feel this way and are exuding this, but because they have a platform via social media, they are able to speak very loudly about this. And I think it's upsetting. I I highly, highly recommend, if you are active on Twitter, that you click on the top right arrow and click that mute button and silence all this nonsense. Because I really believe that if you want to stop this kind of stuff, you do take the high road and you do not feed negative energy with negative energy. Let's quote Kelly Marie Tran. Let's quote Rose. This is how we're going to win. Not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. We love this fandom. We love this community. So let's focus on that and ignore the ugliness. Because, honestly, it does not deserve any power. I could not have said that better myself. I loved her work in, in The Last Jedi. I loved this character, and I, I want to see where it goes. And it, the fact that, for some reason, she became a target to to the screw it just makes me crazy it's totally agree things that make me crazy let me just say right from the start here i'm a bad star wars fan because i didn't get to see solo till god it was a tuesday before last and genuinely enjoyed ourselves so it's just puzzling to me to watch this almost endless sea of negativity about this ron howard film just start with the box office, okay? Movie was released to theaters back on May 10th. To date, it sold more than $203 million worth of tickets domestically, $151.5 million overseas. So you throw those two odds together, the worldwide gross to date for Solo, A Star Wars Story, is $354.7 million, which makes... This Lucasfilm limited production, the fifth highest grossing film of the year to date domestically. 
and Disney really should be celebrating because they actually have four of the five slots right now for the domestic box office of 2018. We've got Black Panther, number one spot. It's at $699.7 million. Supposedly in the next week or two, it will you know go through the $700 million threshold. We have Marvel Infinity Wars occupies the number two spot at $669.9 million. And then we have Incredibles 2, which is the number three spot with $360.2 million. And just so you know, it took Solo 30 days to finally blow through the $200 million in domestic ticket sales barrier. This long-awaited Incredibles sequel may earn that exact same amount in domestic ticket sales in only four days. It's hard to argue with the numbers, and I don't know about you, I really think this is still connected to the fact that we are less than six months removed from a major Star Wars film that was very, very heavy. For my money, it's probably the smartest Star Wars movie ever made, and I'm talking about The Last Jedi, and I think Mm -hmm. that's just sort of out there, and then all these other wonderful things come out in the summer. That's a lot of competition. That's a lot to juggle if you are a major movie studio. I mean, Disney, obviously, as you said, has very much the market corner, but I think they kind of fought against themselves in a way. I, I really, truly believe in my heart that if this movie, Solo, had waited to come out until December, I think it would have already doubled what it's made so far, because I think that for Disney, what they've been doing is they've been setting us up as a fandom and, and as a families to do Christmas stuff and, you know, travel and go see Star Wars films with your families at your hometown theaters or with your extended family or what have you. It's become a a part of our Christmas tradition, but now it's changed again. It's back to May. May used to be the money month for Star Wars, but they haven't had a Star Wars film released in May since 2005. So you've got over a generation of people who are used to seeing Star Wars around Christmas time. I think those are really the major factors. I don't I hope that people realize that this is not a true, accurate measure of the quality of this film, of the acting, of the direction, and of the feedback. Honestly, when you look at negativity concerning Star Wars these days, it always spools back to The Last Jedi and people being upset with different things that happened with Luke or raised parents or lack of raised parents, for more of an accurate term. That's what it always seems to go back to. No one ever, I've never heard anyone truly say Solo was not good. I haven't heard that at all. What about you? Just to pause here for a sec. It's intriguing. You mentioned the whole, you know, we've got a generation now that only knows them. The Star Wars film coming out in December, which sadly was not an option this year because Disney had already decided that it's big more than 50 years in the making sequel. Mary Poppins Returns was going to snag that slot. But back in August of 2014, Here's Walt Disney's chairman, Alan Horn, and Bloomberg News is asking him. Remember, they're just now, in this window, beginning work on the very first new Star Wars movie, you know, The Force Awakens. And so it's Bloomberg's like, okay, so you're opening this one in December? And Alan's like, look, we may revert. The Star Wars dates have always been in May, and we may revert to that at one point, but it it really depends on the readiness of the screenplays and where we are, but the first one is going to come out December 18th of 2015. So even in the beginning, they were looking at that. And not only that, you know, you've got Iger talking about how at that time, it's like, I guess we're going to do 
new Star Wars film every two years or maybe one every year. We don't know yet. So they sort of came to this spot. There seems to have been this thinking on the back of how well the Marvel Cinematic Universe was doing that there were only 15 weeks between when Thor Ragnarok came out in theaters in November of 2017 and then when Black Panther came out in mid-February of this year. Very true. And so here are the folks at, at Disney Studios and they're like, well, geez, we got 23 weeks between when Last Jedi opens and when Solo opens. That's plenty of breathing space. We'll be fine. You'd think that, wouldn't you? But, it, I mean, don't you agree, though, that even though there was less time, every Marvel film is so incredibly different in tone and audience, quite honestly. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp is more lighthearted. The Captain America films are very heavy and political. The more recent Thors have been lighthearted and funny. Guardians also funny, but a little bit serious. Infinity War is very heavy. I mean, they have similar characters, but they're so completely different in their tone and audience that it makes sense. Solo and Last Jedi really are not... I mean, one is actually very heavy and has says a lot, and one is just fun, but it's still Star Wars. I don't. I can't believe people aren't looking at that, but I, I'm not the one having to count the money. I wish I was. I was speaking with a friend at Disney Studios who proceeded to really pop the hood because, of course, you know, all... People in the industry can talk about now, it's like, oh my God, if you look at Solo, a Star Wars story, it's going to be the first Star Wars project that's going to lose money for Disney. And, you know, the projected figures are anywhere from a $50 million loss to an $80 million loss. And it's like, first of all, it's like, this is Star Wars, all right? If you factor in just the licensing that's associated with Solo, this is a huge revenue stream that's going to do really well for this film. Also, because of the loyal Star Wars base, that given the number of complaints about Luke's passing or, or the Mary Sue quality of Rose's character with Last Jedi, they still moved a ridiculous number of units for Blu-ray and DVD, and there was a record number of digital downloads. So it's not, you know, there are revenue streams here that have not been taken into effect. And what the pushback I got from the studios, look, we're going to be fine. It's not going to make the billion dollar in profit that we saw with obviously The Force Awakens or the half a billion dollars in profit that we saw from Last Jedi, but we're going to be fine. If you want to talk about movies that lost money, let's take a look at John Carter, where the studio had to take a $200 million write-down because that film performed so poorly. Or for that matter, Mars Needs Moms, where not only did the studio have to take a $200 million write-down, but they also shuttered Image Movers Digital, that's the San Rafael-based studio that did that film and Disney's Christmas Carol. 450 people lost their jobs. And not only that, but due to the severance packages that they had to dole out, the, the closing of the actual studio, as well as a lot of already in development projects that they had. In, and that included Yellow Submarine. They were going to redo Yellow Submarine and Disney was going to be able to sell a soundtrack featuring all Beatles hits. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but that's another $90 million sure. oh, that yeah. they had to burn through. And so $290 million written off on one film. There's a lot of people who are just focused on this because Disney's been so successful, especially this year, 
it's fun to sort of twit them. It's fun to sort of, hey, they're having trouble. And it's Lucasfilm that's stumbling. And so let's do things like start a story about how all of the Star Wars stories are now on hold, which Disney felt so strongly about. They, As that story began making the rounds on the internet, just last week, Disney felt compelled to come out and make a statement about, that's not true. Depending on who you talk to, Dan, there's nine different Star Wars films currently in development. And do you think professionally or personally that that is still the case? No, and if you want to know exactly why, you're going to have to stick around until after the break. More looking at Lucasfilm is just seconds away. Looking at Lucasfilm is back, and before the break, Dan wondered about whether Solo's box office performance may hinder other future films down the pipeline. I don't think so. There's a lot of interesting things coming off of the Obi-Wan Kenobi project, which was August of last year when it was first announced that it looks like that's really going forward. And December of last year, we saw Stephen Daltrey supposedly begin negotiations. He's the director of The Hours and Billy Elliot. He was supposed to come on board and Ewan McGregor really wanted to get back to work as Obi-Wan. Supposedly back on May 11th, Stephen may have left the project. There's a rumor making the rounds now that because we obviously no longer have Carrie and we've kind of taken Luke off of the canvas, that supposedly to sort of fill the gap, we may see Obi-Wan as a Force ghost in Episode Nine, which is a polite way of saying that Poor you, you and McGregor, who's going to be doing press next month for Disney's Christopher Robin movie, which comes out on August 3rd, is going to spend a lot of time with the press having to answer Star Wars-related questions rather than Christopher Robin-related questions. Well, that wouldn't even make sense anyway, because Obi-Wan and Rey have no connection to one another at all, and then she doesn't even know who he is. I do not know what to tell you. This is just... Another example of why I don't like rumors. <laughs> I know, I know. And, you know, But that's the hard reality of this world, is that they're just about to start shooting, so you have people building sets, people making costumes, and... These productions, which a lot of people have to sign a lot of NDAs to work on these things. I have to tell you that one of the more interesting aspects of solo underperforming, I never, never in a million years expected to hear negative things coming out of Imagineering about Lucasfilm. But sure enough, there's folks there now who are upset about Solo because they believe that its underperformance might ding Galaxy's Edge. Oh my, that makes me that makes me nervous. I can't believe that would be real. I mean, the Falcon is an iconic for over 40 years. But see, now that's the concern. How much of the concept art, how much of the stuff related to Batu and Black Spire Outpost is that image of the Falcon there sitting in its bay ready to welcome guests to pilot this attraction and the fear is that we deliberately built this as one of our two signature attractions at this park and has solo somehow made the millennium falcon less desirable as a ride experience and it's just sort of for me it's like are you nuts i totally agree yeah no way there's just no way that's going to be an issue i can't imagine that 
Mm. I'll get a Star Trek tattoo if that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's hoping it doesn't come to that. Yeah. Though, let's talk losses. So, it, do we think Solo's gonna once it's all said and done with digital downloads and Blu-rays? Do we really think Solo's gonna take that big of a loss? The film has earned three hundred and fifty-four million dollars worldwide. The production costs that Disney's willing to admit to on the heels of Chris Miller and Phil Lord leaving and Ron Howard coming in are $250 million. And the studio supposedly has spent upwards of $100 million on promotion. So if we're talking traditional math, it's like, hey, they're $400 million to the good. But it's like, no, that's not how it works. Exhibitors get a cut of the, the ticket sales. So realistically, at this point, we're at least in a $50 million loss situation. But this is a film that's still chugging through its international release dates. We haven't seen what the Blu-ray and the DVD and the digital downloads have done and the licensing. We won't know for sure till probably the tail end of the summer, early fall. There's now the concern about well, what are we going to do? How are we going to make Star Wars special again? And it's like, this problem kind of solves itself because of the fact that we're not going to see Episode Nine arrive in theaters till December 20th, 2019. Right. And that's 19 months. The very last time that this sort of thing happened at Disney Studios was when Aladdin arrived in theaters in November of 1992, and then 19 months later, The Lion King comes out in June of 1994. And there was so much pent-up demand at yes. that point for, I want to see a new Disney animated film, that Lion King for a time became Disney's biggest hit film. And it was only, oddly enough, the, the arrival of the Pixar films like Finding Nemo that it eventually blew that record out of the water. So what's going to make Star Wars film special again? Waiting 19 months. I'm all for that, by the way. Do you remember? Of course you'll remember this, but it used to be back before the internet was a thing that Disney would take their movies and they would keep them in the vault for, what, between six and nine years, something like that? Yeah. And then re-release yeah. them again, and then that made everybody hungry for them. Speaking of someone who covers Star Wars every day, I would love it if there was a two-year delay between movies. It gets the hype going, the anticipation and the build-up, and then allows other things to kind of come to the forefront, and then it keeps it more fresh. Otherwise, we become a goldfish society. We're always getting the same thing every day. The other thing here is that in a situation where we don't have decent information, people will often just sort of fill things in. Today, if you looked around the Internet, there were all these stories about supposedly how Bob Iger has lost faith in Kathleen Kennedy and has reached out to J.J. Abrams, who directed The Force Awakens and is now directing Episode Nine. And supposedly Iger asked Abrams if he'd be willing to ride herd on Star Wars, and J.J. supposedly said no because it's in such sorry shape. And it's one of these things where it's like, nobody actually talks like this, okay? You know, it just sort of 
this is a story that basically somebody has put out on the web and because we have no information in much the same way as last week's story about how Disney has canceled all of the Star Wars stories films and will only concentrate on now on the ongoing saga and there's this this thing that Edgar Allan Poe once said where you <laughs> believe half of what you see and nothing of what you hear. Well, right. I mean, you can believe this podcast, all right? Dan and I take what we do seriously, and this is Star Wars. This is something that Disney believes very, very strongly in. There is a concern at Disney right now that on the heels of what happened with Rogue One, we had... Gareth Edwards basically had to take a backseat to Tony Gilroy, who came in and rewrote a lot of the script and, you know, supposedly road hurt on a lot of the directing of the new scenes. I mean, remember how people almost made an industry out of comparing the early trailers for that film to what the finished film looked like? Yeah. And then what just happened with Phil Lord and Chris Miller on Solo? There's a number of people at Disney, it's like, look, once... That's a fluke. But twice, that suggests that this might be a management issue and that sometimes great films come out of chaos. There's this other movie that went through three directors and, and had to go through all sorts of reshoots and they had one scene that they shot for six weeks and they, they cut out completely, never made it into the finished film and actors were replaced and the whole production seemed snake bit. But of course, this was back in... 1938, 1939, and the movie I'm talking about is The Wizard of Oz, and that turned out okay eventually. Yeah, that's history seems to say that. There's also another movie you may have heard of that changed records very, very late in the production. They had to do a lot of major changes, and, and that was Gone with the Wind. I, I feel like that was pretty successful as well. Yeah, so people don't really get to decide now if something is a success. I mean, oddly enough, it's the film plus time is when we yes. get to decide if something is a hit. And when you think about the films that actually bombed during their initial release, I mean, it's like, I look at what, It's a Wonderful Life, and I just, I can't yeah. imagine that it's like, what do you mean that was a bomb? Right. Well, it's a very hyperbolic internet world that we live in. I guess so. And everything has to be decided immediately. So yeah, that's right. As far as I'm concerned with Solo, I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, I have no doubt that, like so many of Ron Howard's films, it's going to hold up beautifully. I mean, I, I think you and I talked about, like, Apollo 13, how whenever that's on television, I lose two hours of my life because it's like I cannot not watch that movie. It's almost a perfect movie, yeah. It is, and I, I know how it turned out. In fact, when I initially went to see it in theaters, it's like, I know how this turns out. And it was still compelling stuff. And I've loved Ron's output all the way back to Splash. It's the internet. We all love to gossip. We love to share insider information. And, and the thing of what's going on with Lucasfilm right now is there is some sort of eyeballing of their process. There's some consideration of what do we do next? Just it, It's a fluid situation. I mean, when I remember being at the Star Wars celebration back in 2015, going into the hall for the big Star Wars story presentation and well, where's Josh Trank? They announced that Josh Trank was was going to be here and he was going to be talking about his yeah. Boba Fett movie. And that got canceled, like, evidently a day or two before the event. Things do change. Plans do change. And now we just have more access and there's more insiders and more people that are willing to 
spill the beans or, or start fires when there actually is no gasoline and make these things uh, so much bigger or than they are or just flat out untrue. That then begins the problem because it's like, why let the truth stand in the way of a really good, juicy story? That's right. So this doesn't change what Jon Favreau is up to. It doesn't change what the Game of Thrones guys are up to. There's still a lot of Star Wars stuff headed our way. And I had a friend who was standing in Toy Story Land, and it was one of those things where she was there to ride Slinky Dog Dash and the alien swirling spinner ride. And she said, you know, to be honest, all I could look at were the spires rising up behind the fence for Galaxy's Edge. And it was just... (laughs) Sort of like I wanted so bad to be in there. So when we're there, when it opens, let's jokingly refer to this conversation again and ask if the solo performance affected the Falcons line. (laughs) One final note here. Here's Disney out there, out ahead of the opening of Toy Story Land. And the way they describe it is the first immersive story land to be built at this theme park, which They want that language out there, immersive story, because the whole notion behind Batu and Black Spire Outpost is this is going to redefine how we experience theme parks. In fact, you know, just as a teaser, because we have yet to talk about you at the latest Galactic Nights at, at Disney Hollywood Studios, and you actually went to that presentation, didn't you? Yeah. You have all sorts of fun new tidbits about that. Yeah, I did an article for it on it for StarWars.com that we can get into now or in another show. But basically, everyone was very enthusiastic. The place was packed. And the highlights, at least, that I noticed were that, first of all, they're building two life-size AT-ATs per theme park, which I think mm-hmm. is extraordinary. This is this will very much dwarf what's in front of Hollywood Studios and, and Star Tours right now. And then they're going to do... Doug Chang came in and he, he's doing some... Uh, helping them with some design work for some creature stuff, and they're going to build loath cats, Jim, that are going to be sort of like what you see now at Pandora, but I think it's like the next level. So we're going to get to experience loath cats in their natural habitat. It's going to be crazy. Mm. First time I've taken something animated and make it made it lifelike for this Star is, Wars, I guess. Uh, this is bad. Nancy is <laughs> such a big cat fan, you can see her from space. We live in the house where, I'm sorry, you can't sit in that chair. The cat is in it. So it's just... <laughs> To hear that there are going to be actual loath cats, this is bad, Dan. This is oh, really man. bad. Start saving your pennies. <laughs> Before I forget, and to circle back to the Imaginaries who were upset about the Millennium Falcon thing, that's the other thing I enjoyed about Solo, that they had dialogue in that film that acknowledged that Black Spire existed, the Black Spire Outpost. In fact, yeah. what is it? L337, what was the line? It was like, Lando couldn't find the Black Spires without her. So that's it was right. Like, this is being walked into the mythology right in front of us. But anyway, we'll talk more about the Black Spire Outpost on our, our next looking at Lucasfilm. But just wanted to address the Kelly Tran situation and obviously what's going on with Solo. And hopefully, again, when we sit down to do our next show, Dan, we'll have happier stories to share. That's right. And, and speaking of happy, I mean, I'm heading to San Diego Comic-Con here in a few weeks. And they announced the day of this recording... There's going to be a 10-year anniversary panel of The Clone Wars, which will be really fun. And who knows what kind of stuff will come out. I'll be spending a lot of time at the Lucasfilm Pavilion, which appears to be, at least on the map I saw today, the biggest pavilion at Comic-Con. Of course, (laughs) that may change. But I'm definitely going to keep my ears and eyes open to see what we can find out. It is safe to say, and I'm glad you shared all this with us, Jim, because 
everyone deep breaths exhale it's gonna be okay that's true well again can't wait to hear what you'll you'll share in july at of comic-con but for now folks this is jim hill and on behalf of dan thank you for listening and we'll be back with new shows soon thank you for listening to looking at lucasfilm with jim hill and dan z one of many great podcasts on the jim hill media network 